It's the My Michelle Live podcast. My, my, my Michelle Live. My Michelle Live. Sports timeout. The fans, the field, the faith, the fun. Here's Michelle. Yes, Michelle, but I am not alone. I've got my brodas with me as we take on sports this week. There's some big stories that we're going to get to, and we'll have some of our guys coming in and off the field as they see fit. It's kind of like an open house thing going on here, but let me introduce you to who we have with us right now. He is an author. He is a sports writer and photographer, Brent. Author, photographer, Brent R. Baker. Del Didwee is with us as well, a sports writer, author. We'll put some links to his amazing books. He takes devotionals and sports, mixes them together into something life-changing. He's also put out an article this week that we will talk about that is probably the best thing I've ever read of his. It's amazing, Del. Glad to have you. Glad to be here. I'm ready today, guys. Wow, one of the biggest stories that hit this week. Del, you had a right there happening before your very eyes view, and that's Damar Hamlin in Monday Night Football collapsing to the field after a hit. Before we get a little insight, Mm I wanted to see if we can play. Let's see if we have that here. Forgive me. Yeah, I'll just play it for folks who are watching. Yeah. You can always watch us at MyMichelleLive.com. You see it in the background. There's a He gets up and boom, hmm. down to the ground. Uh, you watch that. What not on? Not what any of us want to see, and everybody's around him. Wow, what were you thinking when you saw this? Give us, Tell us what was going on in your head and what you saw. Well, before we were up on the booth, up in the media box, we saw the play, and then we were just talking, hey, there's a guy down. And nothing out of the ordinary within, which is within a matter of seconds, we, we noticed something that was different about it. There was a different feeling. The Bills crew, some of the staff is behind us and they're on the phones and there's a flurry of action going on back and forth. And then one of my buddies sitting next to me got his binoculars out and he says, dude, they're giving him CPR. And so I, he said, here, take a look. So I looked down there, saw the same thing. Then we knew that was serious, but then it got really serious when we heard behind us to the left, there's a crew of emergency responders are sitting back there. There's police officers, there's squad members. There's a bunch of folks back there, about 20 of them back there. They're always there. And we heard them talking, saying, all right, we have to find his parents. We have to find his mom. We have to find his family. So we thought this is pretty bad. This is going to be bad. And we didn't really know what was going on at the time. Still, we knew there were chest compressions going on. We knew that they were trying to find family members. Then we see all the TV, all the ESPN people get up and take off. They're wanting to get down there and and get the story. So we thought this is pretty serious. And then the Bengals biggest crowd of the year, probably ever, you could hear pin drop. It was definitely quiet in that stadium. So even for us, up up in the booth we normally can hear things but we it was so quiet we could hear people talking and after about five or seven minutes and several of us of the of the core group went down we were going to try to get down to the locker room or the press interview room and we knew again it was serious when they wouldn't let us even near it they just said nobody wow. goes in the tunnel right now wow so we just hung around down there we saw the Bengals come in the locker room and then about 20 minutes later we saw t higgins come out 
and walked right by. We weren't just going to say anything to him. He walks right by us and then hugs his mom's there, hugs his mom. They just walk off arm in arm. And so we thought this is pretty bad. And then we kept getting updates about the game canceled. Then that's when I walked. It's when we took the elevator back upstairs and sat down and wrote the piece out and wrote the column. And so it was a eerie night, a quiet, eerie night. Reflective. And you were saying before you wrote that article eight minutes, it was like inspired. Just kind of float out. But the only thing, I don't like to say anything negative about anybody, but Bart Scott should not ever be on television ever again for what he said. He should just be canned, fired, whatever. That was a disgrace what he said. Share, he share said, with those who don't know. He said that uh, he's on ESPN, he was on first take, said that T. Higgins lowered his head, intentionally did that, and that was not even close to what happened. It was a normal football hit. Didn't even use his head. He used his shoulder pads. And Higgins felt bad enough. And then uh, it it was good to hear Josh Allen come out and the quarterback for the Bills and defend Higgins. And all the Bills said that was not in any way a cheap shot, a dirty hit, nothing like that. Scott ought to be just never on the air again. Yeah, irresponsible. Absolutely irresponsible. Guys, the one thing you saw, the one thing you saw that's been banned from everybody is the kneeling. That was the only good thing. The good thing that came out of this was everybody was kneeling, praying to God. And it took something like that. Whereas kneeling in the NFL has been outlawed, but by golly, they weren't going to stop. There's 120 people on that field from taking a knee to. No, I mean, that that was absolutely incredible guys. When I was watching it, I, because I'm watching it on film. If you understand, if you're watching in the press box, you do get to see the Mm -hmm. TV and you do see what's on on the field, but it's not quite, if you're watching on television, you really do see some nuances. And what we saw was someone get up and it's not often you see someone get up and then stagger and pass out. So for us, it was like, wow, what's going on here? Brent, Eric, Mm -hmm. welcome to the party. You have anything you want to ask of Dell since he, he saw it firsthand and we were talking (laughs) about it going, Oh, Dell's there. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I was actually thinking about the fact that you were there down before all that happened. It's like, oh man, what a great game to be able to cover. And I've, <clears throat> in my time just doing high school stuff, I, I never had anything like that happen. But I do remember a situation where a kid got up from a hit, walked over to the sideline, and then just did what we saw there. Unfortunately, it was a game that had an ambulance at it, and he was... Like we were hoping for this, he was fine and conscious by the time they loaded him on the ambulance and he was like waving at people. But yeah. for 10, 15 minutes, it's like you don't know what's going on. Yeah. And you go from this hyped, like celebratory atmosphere. It's like one of the biggest games of the year and two good teams. Uh, really matters. To not just Life. that, but you want to yeah. talk about air out of a balloon. You go from yeah. that oh. emotion that's all outward to this. I can only imagine, because I felt it with a couple thousand people, but with 80,000 people just yeah. sitting there for an hour, quiet, yeah. and like it's like a vigil of some sort. So it was eerie on TV, <laughs> so I can only imagine what being in a stadium that felt like that for that long had to have been unnerving. It was completely different. Never experienced that before. And ironically, that's not that severe injury, but that happened to me my senior year of high school football. I was in a play, made a tackle from behind. I had to chase a guy down and made a tackle. And my head hit the ground pretty hard. And I got up 
and I just remember everything turning on its on its side, and then next thing I know, I'm waking up in the hospital. So it's similar thing, and I saw it on film later. It's actually comical, but because I fell flat on my face, but I don't remember it. Glad but, you find that funny. I bet, yeah, bet I your parents did, time, but but no, I, I, but I was a hit in the chest. That my, mine was a complete bell right. ringer, man. That ground and, and my helmet was. Now that was a couple of years ago, so they probably don't have it on video, do they? <laughs> yeah. Back in nineteen eighty four, when that happened. So, Dell, that's crazy. Yeah. What was the feeling of the crowd? Man, it was, I'm not in the crowd a whole lot, but it was just, it was definitely, I had a couple of friends out there who were texting me trying to find out what was going on. I said, man, I don't know nothing. And, you know, the, the NFL hasn't made a statement yet. People were, and then everybody's phones was blowing up downstairs when we were down by the locker room and the players are coming out. I thought Zach Taylor and the Bengals handled it pretty classy. Burrow took the captains over to the Bills locker room and talked with them for a while. So I think everybody, nobody wanted to play. And I, and there were reports out that the NFL was trying to make them play, and we don't have any reports like oh. that. We heard that both coaches just said, we're Absolutely not going to Absolutely not. You no. mentioned the kneeling, and that is really important, but there was Dan Orlovsky, a bit of a prayer, and this is really cool. I'm going to play it. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I know it's quiet for you right now. Endure, listen best you can. We'll turn it up in the post-production, but let's continue. As it gives me the blue circle of death, I love it. Thank you for live broadcast that... Yeah. Okay. It'll Good. start when it starts. He started praying and he just prayed, yeah. God, sometimes we understand, sometimes we don't understand what's going on, but we want to pray for him. We want to pray for his, that he's well in, in your name. We pray. Amen. And he has gotten, he's a white guy doing this. You would think that he would be the scourge of the earth. No one said anything. And that yeah. goes to play to a couple of things that one, there's no atheists in the foxhole yeah. when things, and this plays to your article, which I know you're short on time with us today i really wanted to get to that dell that's part of what you were talking about we don't know when we're in our last five minutes 58 seconds of life there weren't any atheists there at monday night football suddenly and then explicitly let's talk about that yeah, yeah, I would just, God will get your attention somehow. And even if it means bringing everybody's attention, 60, 70,000 people to, to a stadium, he still is going to say, I'm in charge. And lately, with all the disrespect going on, it was just a time of everybody gathered together. And everybody had one purpose, and that was to see DeMar be okay. And so everybody thought, you know what? I may not believe in God, but what else is there right now? What else do I have to pray to right now? So that thing, that was a thought of a lot of people. But for those believers, it was just like, it, it was the only God could do it. Only God could heal him. Only God could be there. So I think it opened a lot of eyes to people. And now they were hearing that he's talking now and doing well. Is he well. speaking or is he, they, at last I heard he wasn't able to speak. He was just able to write notes. And his first question was, did we win? So the latest report was that he is actually, he is able to talk right now. So, Praise uh, God. Yeah. That's yeah, amazing. He, he was able to FaceTime with his teammates. He only said three words, but, but yeah, they were actually able to see him and hear his voice this yeah. morning briefly so it sounds like partly because of that they're now ready to not put it behind them but ready to take the field again 
Yeah, and they're going to, and then this will be a great motivator for the Bills going into the postseason. It really will. And now they're not rescheduling the game. Um, canceled, and it's completely canceled. As the NFL said, it's not going to affect who gets into the playoffs and who doesn't. But it does, and that's arguably. But what it does affect is the number one seed and where they're mm -hmm. going to play. And you're going to have some really ticked off fans who would love to see their game played yeah. in their stadium, and they don't get that. What the heck? It gives Buffalo. I give Kansas City now their number one seed, and now if, right. hypothetically, if the Bengals should lose. Sunday, and I'll be there to Baltimore. Then they would do a flip. They would do a coin flip to see whether home get where the next. Home Isn't that fair? No. Oh, that's given the circumstances. You, it's it was an impossible situation. Yes, it was. They couldn't certainly continue the game, and of course they you know, replay they, it. It pushes everything out. And messes yeah, with you, everyone you can't else. reschedule it either. Exactly. Could been One of the, the season with the bye weeks. They could have maneuvered around that. Yeah, if it was earlier. Yeah, yeah. but. I, one of the thoughts that I had, which, you know, and I don't know if you've heard much of the backstory b behind Hamlin and his life, but he was born to his parents at the age of 16 or mm -hmm. when his parents were, he was born when he was 16, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a long gestation. No, <laughs> his parents were very young yeah. and uh, they raised him and it just sounds like He's got an incredible story. His younger brother, I think, is like seven years old and and just a really cool family story. And so when I read the story, I'm like, I was praying more. I was praying, obviously, his recovery. And I honestly feel like if this was football related, then it was. But if there was some other underlying issue that I'm not going to even speculate on, but if it was, he was probably at the best place he could have been where where there were first responders seconds away and people, Most people could, don't survive this. exactly you need to be something there of within two minutes and for him to be making the recovery yep. that he is without miraculous, significant really. brain damage is miraculous yep. indeed yep. that is pretty you're yep. right i know dell you have to leave us you yep. are going to be doing you. some coverage of some stuff but yep. thank you for giving us a little bit of an inside view and i want to encourage our audience you need to read dell's article and we will have a link to it. It was oh, so you. moving. Really well done, Dale. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, good, 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 good job. Yeah, good take job, care, Dale. We'll see you next week. All right. God bless. Yeah, guys, I think we have that prayer up, which I just got to say, wow, who would think you would hear that on the SBS? It's let's interesting because I feel like. Okay, let's not it, take a listen. I'm sorry. That's you okay. were, go ahead. Go ahead. You got it I'll going. do it in post-production or we'll get it. we'll get it going later. Okay, I, but it just seems at times of major tragic events, and this certainly would classify as one of those, everything gets pushed aside. Political correctness, political ideologies, agendas, kneeling, standing flags, all that stuff gets put aside, and and what's important really comes out. Well and put. It's the caring and the faith and just the collective spirit of wishing someone well. And I think that it was a beautiful moment in, in our country and in the NFL, which has been 
somewhat divisive. Beautiful, and, sad, but beautiful. Absolutely. And yeah. you know, Garrick, I think that it's something that really moved me as I was talking on another show was that, as I said, there's no atheist in a foxhole. And I likened it to if you've been at the bedside as a pastor, you've been at the bedside of people who have been sick and family members who are losing someone and conventional medicine isn't working, they're willing to try anything just to prolong the life or to save the life of someone they love that's a bit of what faith can be like for many people you go along I don't need God there is no God who cares about God but when something severe happens you are looking for whatever is there that can help and it's a start to faith and I think that's a bit of what we saw in this circumstance and for it to go ahead Brent Oh, I say another thing that has struck me through this, and it's something I've been thinking about a lot lately, but in this culture where bigger is always better, it feels, and the NFL certainly qualifies as like the biggest of the big, sure. something but really traumatic here happened that we collectively witnessed that involved one person. And I th- you, this comes across in watching The Chosen, Jesus dealing with people in their places individually, as opposed to, I don't know, this dealing with faceless crowds of people. And we always like to say, oh, wow. if we can get our church to be a thousand people or 2000 people or 5000 people, wouldn't that be great? But I think what's really important is the individual connections that we mm-hmm. make. And this is a situation where the NFL is this big behemoth, which we talk about every week. But what has gotten everybody's attention was this tragic and kind of freakish thing that happened to one guy. And so all of a sudden now everybody wants to know about him and his life. And all of a sudden his charity, which had raised a few thousand dollars, is now at almost $8 million. No, not almost. Just in the last hour, I think it it cranked over the $8 million mark. It's $8 million. I was just reading it off the number right there. But but anyway, there is a power, the power of the one that you don't get with. Yep, there it is, $8 million. Oh, refreshed yeah nice <laughs> and all but the all but 5160 of it raised this last week and you think about the nfl hasn't like even organized anything on his behalf yet for this and i can imagine this weekend with games going on there probably will be something which directs more money from the teams and the guys on these teams to that as well so it's really remarkable <clears throat> what one person and I'd say that God places in a unique situation. He didn't ask for this. No, and when you say, <laughs> guys, that that it's a let's make it about you now as you're watching. This is an example of how the Bible says for those who know God, those who love him are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. And that means that the heartache and the trials, the unexpected, even though we don't see it, there it's not just useless suffering. There's purpose in it, and God can take it and make be, bring beauty out of the ashes. And that's what's really powerful and a reminder to me in this story. It is quite a story, and we will, of course, be following it. Let's talk for just a moment playoffs. Any thoughts on Who's in, who's out. And by the way, some of the games in this week 16, um, 
guys, playoff or games that affect playoff, playing at different times. What's up with that? Different times say, of the this, day. This is one of those places, as, as much as I, that soccer gets right in the various leagues, right. and even the MLS, where you come down to the final week and you've got these games going on that have playoff implications and they play them all at the same time so that no one no one has an advantage more or less to play for. Yeah. Right. At least the ones that are going, that have equal stakes are played at the same how time. How does the NFL not have, how have they not figured that out yet? Or it's maybe it's not about, we care who, yeah. what the stakes are. Maybe it's we just about care revenue. about how we get it's, it's more about, people to watch. Yeah, exactly. It's about money and even I've got <laughs> a lot of friends in Michigan, long suffering Detroit fans that would like the Seahawks to lose this weekend so the Lions can make the playoffs. But even they are like, welcome to the party here. The NFL always favors Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay. Now you know how we feel. <laughs> yeah. So it, yeah, it's a complaint that maybe people aren't re- haven't really thought about, especially if you're an NFL only, but yeah, it I is a big, it's a big it. deal. I was more upset about it about before Monday night football. Some context Okay, it's in not context. A deal, but it's still, it's seriously, guys, it's not that complicated. On Monday night, I actually won the Super Bowl for our fantasy league. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> and so, season's but, over for, for But Gary. again, exactly what Brent said. I didn't care. It didn't matter. I was excited, yeah, because I had won, but it was like, no. It, I mean, there are other things that matter. And, I think it's interesting then ironic somewhat the timing of that incident taking place on the second day of the year, because huh. I think it it made a lot of people stop and examine and say, what is really important to me this year? I know it did that for me, and I don't know about everyone else, but I'm hoping that a lot of people took pause and said, gosh, at any moment, here's a 24-year-old guy at the top of his game, the top of his career. He is he's sought after as a player and all that. And it could be just gone. And, 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 and I, something to think I think about. it is it's something so to think important. About. And, yeah. I, and for the sake of our audience, many of which are uh, of the conservative ilk, I think it's important to note that this is not the first time it's happened. I think Chris Pronger suffered the same freaky injury, and it's happened in the NHL. Not often, but it has happened. There's a lot of folks who are saying, what's vaccination? I know that there is a, there's a real thing called SAD, Sudden Adult Death Syndrome, and it, it has happened in an in alarmingly increased increased amount since the vaccine myocardosis pericarditis and blood clotting has, is a real thing and there are doctors that predicted that in three to five years we're going to see a lot of people just dropping this was not that you alluded to that eric but without you you did it classy you said without getting into some of the conspiracy theories so i just wanted to address that head on that's not what this is and the beautiful thing there's a lot of beauty that came out of this ugly scary heart-wrenching situation is that again when that young man was on the field it wasn't about if you're vaccinated if you're wearing a mask if who you voted for what team you were even rooting for the only thing that really mattered was that life right there 
And that's something to think about what's important in our lives. And maybe that encapsulates all the great things that we've talked about with this today. I wanted to bring up another controversy, a weird one that we're going to chew through a bit. And that has to do with the U.S. men's national team's head coach and some accusations against him that he is this horrible abuser because 30 years ago he had a heated argument. He was 18 years old. He heated argument, kicked his girlfriend, who is now his wife, after drinking. Where even 18 years, 30 years ago, were you able to drink while 18? I don't know. But the timing of this, the, who the accusations came from, all of this is like a soap opera. So even if for some reason you don't follow the biggest sport in the entire world, uh, football, soccer, this one is wild. Garrick, I'm, you're our soccer correspondent here. I'm going to let you walk our audience through this story. So Gio Reyna was... He is one of the top soccer players in for the U.S. national team. He's a young player, very skilled. Both of his parents played for the national team, women's and men's. And and Gio Reyna was told before the tournament that he would not be playing much by the coach. And he was very upset by it. He didn't handle it him handle himself or the situation real well, as he admitted later on. And but he's young and this is like the most exciting and biggest opportunity and the biggest stage by far that any player gets to play on. And so there's obviously a lot of emotion and upset and disappointment on his part, 20, 20 years old. And so recently, when I think it was this week, a story came out that that was spread by Gio's mother, Danielle, that that. The coach, Coach Burhalter, had something in his past related to domestic violence, and which is and what it, I just had highlighted that right. he had an argument, eighteen years old, heated argument, got it got physical. He kicked his then girlfriend, who now is his wife, so obviously she's over it. But his mom was like, "I was there, and I was her roommate, and why?" why? bring it up now what is the purpose why are we often have this thing where we want to hold people accountable for something that happened 30 years ago are they even the same person god forbid that you would have done anything wrong now i'm not excusing his behavior but this is weird it's you can't do this to my son because i'm going to say this and i and it's just like this weird twisted and almost Forgive me, but it's almost like your son behaved badly. Maybe now we know why. Friends? It's just odd. This whole thing is, like you said, a soap opera to me. But we've referenced on this show before. Garrick and I have known each other for 35-ish years now. Are you going to bring up something from my past? I was just going to say, you know, <laughs> what What would that say for either one of us to, for something that happened in the dorms? <laughs> that one of us did and start spreading it out to the news media, if anyone cared about who either of us was. It's just, it's, I don't know. Yeah, there's probably some things that are worthy of being brought out if they happened. If we're talking about a pattern of abuse or if he'd raped mm -hmm. somebody or killed somebody, then you go to law enforcement. Planting stories in the media, this is like nightmare sports parents, except they're in their 40s. I think that's a good, it me, is. It's, it's like, nightmare it's sports like, parent. Like grow up, 
teach your son to handle his business. If there's actually a criminal matter that needs to be dealt with here, then take it to people who will deal with it appropriately. Yeah, Garrick? Yeah, it's a little bit indicative, I think, of some of the sour grapes culture that we live in. When something doesn't go your way, then you just look to try and bring people down. And it's just unfortunate, I think, would probably be the best way to say it in a nice way. <laughs> yeah, it is. I guess if you want to say it in a nice way, it is. It's terribly unfortunate. Sports parents in the worst possible way. Absolutely. And so how is this going to affect him? Subsequently, now they're saying there's been some reports of people not liking the way they've been treated within the organization of the U.S. men's national team. So where is this going to fly in the future for the coach? Coach Berhalter, if we look at what happened during the World Cup, as far as how the team played, whether or not we clearly met, he did a sufficient job in terms of meeting the expectations of what was set before him. It was hoped that we would get out of the group stage, which we did. It was thought that we would probably lose in the next round, which we did. The team played quite well, especially against England. Um, and so a lot of people were satisfied with the job that he did and and building towards the next but, World but, Cup. He did all this, too, is that his contract is up. So... They don't right. even have to fire him if they don't want to bring him back. But this is like a period where there's decisions being made whether or not to re-up with him. Right. right. And the type of coach that he is, he really likes the interaction with the players and working closely with players. And as a national team coach, you don't get to do that because your players are all scattered literally across the globe with different teams. And so there's some speculation that maybe he's not he may not be as interested in continuing and get getting back into coaching on the on a club level so it it's it for him it's a good situation so however it works out he'll probably be fine i think he did fine as a coach i don't um I don't have a strong opinion one way or another about him. It's not like, oh, no, we've really got to keep him or it's no, we need like, to dump oh, him. He did a really, really bad job, yeah. uh, whatever. There's a lot of things that come into play beyond coaching. Who's available? Getting We had a young team, so a lot of our more mm -hmm. seasoned players were gone and now sitting there commentating instead, <laughs> instead of playing on the field, Dempsey. But... Yeah, that's a bit of, we're in a building year, and maybe in four years, we'll have a little bit more dynamics. We'll see, but um, there you go. Any other sports stories that hit well, you? I just wanted to add week, one, one, other thing too. one other thing on this, too, is that it'll be interesting to see how this affects Claudio moving forward, too, because I know... I've seen it at the high school level. I've talked to people where this has happened at the collegiate level. The nightmare sports parent is a thing. And even at the collegiate level, there are people that have not been able to continue on because of the actions of their parents. But granted, they're usually not the ones at the superstar level. So what, will, what pain are you willing to tolerate to keep this player on your team? But this is like another level where all of a sudden the parents of one of your players have turned this coach into an international story. So future coaches looking at making decisions. <laughs> yeah. It's like if other things being equal, if Claudio's clearly above everybody else, you're probably going to take the risk. But if it's between this guy with the parents that might throw you under the bus and this guy who's 
a reputation as a teammate is positive and you don't have that kind of thing going on and skill-wise they're equal. I mean, hello, Kaepernick. There's people who would have picked up on Colin Kaepernick, but all of the negativity and all of the controversy and all of the distraction. At least that was just him. At least that was just him. If it were me and my parents blew up my career. So you're... (laughs) Brent, you were talking about Claudio, but I think you you meant Gio. Gio's the yeah, son. Gio. Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. Yeah. Claudio's the dad who is actually the sporting director at Austin FC. Yeah. And so I was thinking, oh, okay, how it might it affect his career? But you were more talking about the I son, mean, yeah, player. Gio's career. Yeah, all the way yeah. around, just to be fair, all the way around, I think it's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a weird yeah. one indeed maybe a sign of the times we're in we're at the time sign of this time it's time for our final Final shot let's take it on brent are you ready yeah yes yes i am i'm scrolling before all of this happened with demar hamlin the college football playoff games last saturday were amazing i didn't necessarily I didn't necessarily, I really didn't have a rooting interest in, in any of the teams. And so I was just able to enjoy these games that were just crazy. But I want to give my shout out to the Georgia quarterback, Sin Bennett is his name, which is, <laughs> I don't know if it strikes me as a football name or, or a lawyer name, <laughs> but I just read a story on him this week that he's had quite a story as far as his football career where he started out, he walked on at Georgia. No one was looking at him for colleges. He wasn't getting any playing time. He decided to go to a community college, did really well there, was starting to look around for the school it would take him. And then Georgia calls and actually recruits him to come back as a scholarship Mm -hmm. player. And then even once he's there, no one wanted to start him. It was basically guys kept on getting hurt. And finally he comes in and wins the national championship last year. Then there were thoughts about him, one of these other highfalutin guys coming in and beating him out this year, and he still hangs on to his job. And here they are. There's this art, great article about him in yeah. The Athletic about this perspective on all this. And really? I, there's a quote he said at the end I just love. And he said, how can you have stories if you end up exactly where you wanted to go following the exact plan you wanted to go? That's life, man. It's just a lot more interesting this way. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. know We might see him in the NFL someday, but wherever he ends up with that attitude, it's going to be a good life. It's going to be a good life. All things work together for good. Garrick. My final shot goes to a true goat. Of course, if you don't know what goats are Are in sports. Talking about Brent. Yeah, the greatest of all time. No, he just looks like a billy goat because of his beard. I thought you were going to talk about when I scored an own goal against you in indoor soccer in college. I was not planning to bring that up. So you have 35-year-old grudges. Yeah, no. Some of you know that my my favorite player in current player in the game is is Lionel Messi, who plays for Argentina and for Paris Saint-Germain. But my all-time favorite player was the r- true greatest player of all time in the sport of soccer, and that was Pele. Yeah. Of course, he died just before Christmas, and he was just a class act, or actually just after Christmas, sorry, a couple of days before the new year. And he played for Brazil, played for the club Santos, ended up his career playing in the North American Soccer League for the New York Cosmos. And I've two people that I know actually have met him. One one was an English soccer player who played in the U.S. for the Minnesota Kicks, Alan West, who ended up as a pastor in England. And he was telling me that 
the thing about Pele, because he had to mark Pele one time, and he said, you could just not get near the ball. The only way you can get the ball from Pele is to foul him, which is what they often did later on in his career. Not what he did, but what people did because he had just this ability to control the ball and to to shield the ball and he was just so strong and he's one of the top goal scorers to this day in the world cup he was just passed by he was tied by mbappe and he was surpassed by messi but 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 it took them long a longer time to make it happen though yeah. And Michelle Akers, I'm going to just read to you what she wrote, because Michelle Akers, probably one of, if not the greatest U.S. women's soccer player of all time. She said, there's few things I will never forget about him, and they have nothing to do with soccer. When huh. he spoke to me, he looked me in the eye. He didn't look around the room or over my shoulder. The eye contact was authentic. And in that, I saw how tired he was. As a young player, when I first met him, I was in awe overwhelmed nervous he took the time to ease him the time to ease himself past that into the genuine connection i saw him do that over and over again with people and the composure and generosity generosity of that leadership and kindness was enormous i love to that. be that consistently across the globe amidst all colors and lifestyles he was in he while he was inevitably tired, hungry, missed his family, etc., it is unfathomable. And yet, I believe that is what made him the king. Absolutely. So, so my final the shot, Edson Arantes do Nascimento Pele. And the fact that you can say that so well is just, you get kudos too. No, good shout out. All right, for my final shot, I'm going to finally play this, The Prayer, on ESP after the incident on Monday Night Football. Gave me everything. I think even through the midst of absolute tragedy last night, I think you saw some of the beauty of football as well. Brought us all here together. Like, this is a little bit different. I heard, I've heard it all day, like thoughts and prayers. And you just heard Scherf and Jonathan Allen say, like, all we can do is pray for him. And I've heard the Buffalo Bills organization say, we believe in prayer. And maybe this is not the right thing to do, but I want it's just on my heart that I want to pray for it is. Lamar Hamlin right now. Um, I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head, and I'm just going to pray for him. Dang! Uh, come on! God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard, because we believe that you're God and coming to you and praying to you has impact. We're sad, we're angry, and we want answers, but some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray, truly come to you and pray for strength for Damar, for healing for Damar, for comfort for Damar, to be with his family, to give them peace. If we didn't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. I believe in prayer, we believe in prayer, we lift up Demar Hamlin's name in your name. Amen. 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 Amen and amen. And that's where I want to end it today with We Believe. Thank you guys for hanging out with me today. And thank you for watching, listening, or reading. Look for the God story in your world and in the game of life. God bless. Thank you. For more fun, go to MyMichelleLive.com.